Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, your host, and today we have Jack Stone. He's a very interesting uh, story about a Kundalini awakening, and he is also a sex coach. So we're going to dive into that also. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. It's yeah. going to be. This is going to be fun. This is uh, Kundalini is uh, uh, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Absolutely. So first, let's start with your story. You were just, we were just talking before I started recording about how this happened and, and what you thought it was. Yeah, it, um, it, it is quite the story. It, it, um, it really just showed up in my life. I was living back here in California. I'd been married for probably, I don't know, 18 or so years. And I was working overtime. I was like working 12 hours a day and I was coming home at like 11 o'clock at night. And I had been reading some relationship books to try to improve the relationship with my wife. And so I had been reading, you know, like, like sex techniques and things like that. And, you know, I was trying to like repair the relationship. And mm -hmm. so I said, Hey, let's try this thing. And so she hated it. She's just like, I don't like this at all. So I was, I felt, I'm like, I can't believe this. I, I really put a lot of effort and work into this. I read this whole book and I was super excited. And it, then, you know, she just basically hated it. So mm. I came home one night and I said, well, I've, I've spent all this time figuring this out. What if I do it on myself? And, and that's what started the awakening. It, I was just sitting there. I came home at last, you know, and I'm self-pleasuring. And like out of nowhere, I started feeling like this, um, like this swirling in my stomach. And it really felt like, like a swirling, like deep down. And it, and it, it didn't felt like indigestion or anything. It felt like energy. And it's, it kind of just, it got louder and louder and louder and louder. And then like, Bam, like my body, it went into like this seizure, like shaking, which I'm like, what the fuck's happening? You know? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh my God. Uh, but it felt really good. I was like, wow, this, this feels sort of like, like an orgasm seizure. I guess it's the, the closest I could describe it. Right. <laughs> it's just, and it just went on and on and on and on and on. And that's the beginning of my Kundalini awakening was, was just like that one moment. Wow. And uh, so, so I have two questions then. Um, yeah. One is, uh, you can answer in either order. I'm not sure which is the proper order, but uh, what is Kundalini and what technique did you use to awaken it? Okay. Well, Kundalini, Kundalini is, it's like this, according to my research is it's this dormant it lies it's an energy system that most often lies dormant in the human body it's something i believe everybody has and but everybody isn't aware of it i i certainly wasn't aware of it and when it's awakened in your body 
for me, it, it just started like burning off these, I don't know, like conditions I had or thought patterns or ways of being. And it just started to like burn them off. And I don't even know what they were. I just started changing. Like I started becoming, well, I, I used to be shy. I used to be like really painfully shy. And, you know, no, don't get me in front of a camera. Don't get me on a microphone. None of that stuff. And it's something I really, I struggled with. I worked on it my whole life. I was like, I just don't want to be shy. I was the guy sitting by himself at a party in the corner, you know, having a great time, but not uh-huh. interacting with anybody. And then suddenly, like, I was the life of the party guy. That was wow. a drastic change. It, it really was. And so to answer that, what is Kundalini? It's, it's just like this energy in you that, that just starts, I mean, when it's, when it's awakened in you, you start having like these, like these things called Kriyas. And so my body would like just sort of like pulse or, sh- or kind of like shake like hundreds of times a day like involuntary, I would just be driving and my body would just like kind of like jitter. And I guess <laughs> and it was straight. It was just strange. Like people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's just Korea. You know, <laughs> people think you have Tourette's or something. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but what it, what it, how it awakened in me was I was, you know, I was, I was, I lie down, um, on the couch, I put on some like some music, and I just started like touching, touching my genitals, just like not tip- not the way you would typically do it, like you're pumping up and down, just like very gentle, very slow, like almost not even moving, mm-hmm. and I just really felt into the feeling of that, and I didn't have like a goal or, you know, my goal wasn't orgasm. It was just like, well, let me just feel what this actually feels like and just let me go as slow as possible like so slow that it doesn't even register as moving and i was just that's what i that's what it did that's what did it interesting where did you find the technique at i was reading a book um by nicole de Dome, and it was called slow sex and it's a it's a technique that is called oming. Interesting, interesting choice of words. Yeah. Um, and so it's called oming, and it's where the woman just basically relaxes. She butterflies her legs, and then her partner just slowly rubs her clitoris, like very with distinct patterns, like very slowly, very deliberately, just sort of like an up and down pattern. And of course, that's the technique that I tried on my wife, and she's like, I fucking hate this. She's like, don't do this again no i don't like this at all <laughs> and i'm like oh okay and so i'm uh, so i'm like well i wonder if that would work on me because you know we all have very you know we all start off with the same parts right they just are organized differently and i don't know i guess it's some something like of an intuitive intuitive leap i made interesting and and how did that other than just being like going from an introvert to an extrovert, um, did it change your perception of reality any? 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, people would just come up to me. Like people would come up to me and they would be like, I have cancer. Like, okay. And they'd be like, well, I have breast cancer. And like, and it's right here. You should know what it feels like. You should know what, what, what breast cancer feels like. So she's like, take, takes my hand and puts it right on the breast. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I can feel the lumps. Holy cow. Like you have like seven lumps in your breast. Like, I mean, where does that come from? Like, who does that? Um, and so like, I would just have these, these experiences where people, like I would, I started becoming empathic. And so I started being able to see somehow other empaths. I could be like, oh, this, this new girl at the office, she's a total empath. Like I can totally feel her like right away. And we became pretty good friends over that. It was like, I can tell you're an empath. And she's like, oh my gosh, how do you even know? And I go, I don't, I have no idea, but I can tell you are. And then of course there's like the, oh, and then other like psychics would just, like we would be out, out and about, like maybe out at a club or something. And suddenly we're talking to this, this other woman and she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I have psychic. I can tell, I can tell you are kind of are, and there's something different, definitely different about you. And, and so it was almost like this like secret club. And then of course there's like the being able to like push energy out into people. That's a real interesting one. So <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, it's just like, it was just endless and new things just showed up like every week for years. Like this just went on. This is about, I'm, I'm about six or seven years into this at this point. So like, I'm not surprised anymore when, you, when weird stuff happens, but for the first couple of years, it was just, what the heck is this? Wow. I can do that. Oh, I can, I can push energy out into people and like have it affect the whole room. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's an interesting, that's interesting. Oh, like I can, um, like I can make someone orgasm just by like pushing energy out with my hands and not even touching them. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And like, there were some incidents where I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> You know, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really wild. <laughs> yeah, um, I had, yeah. <laughs> so, like, my understanding of Kundalini is that it's a energy that's um, coiled up at the base of the spine, and once the re energy is released and flows through all the chakras, it creates a an awakening. Um, after you um, started experimenting with this and you started waking up, did you try any of those like other type of like chakra meditations and stuff like that to learn how to control it and figure out what you could do with it? Absolutely. That's, um, which is a really interesting aspect of the whole Kundalini awakening because what's really interesting is there's, there's sort of like this phenomena of synchronicity so what was really interesting is I started off and I'm like, what is this? I don't know what it is. And I didn't really have a lot of answers. And then suddenly I'm like, I got to go see a doctor. 
And so I went and saw this doctor who totally understood exactly what I was going through. And this is like a Western, this is like a, you know, a valedictorian, sexy blonde doctor. Uh -huh. And, you know, that just, and that's, that's who showed up. And I went in there and she's like, wow, there's something really different about you. And I said, well, how much time you got? And we, we sat there and talked for probably an hour and a half. And she's like, wow, that's crazy. And, and of course she's like, you know, you should, you should look into Tantra. So here's my doctor going, you should, you should, um, you should look into Tantra. And, oh, and by the way, have you ever thought about being with like other women outside of your relationship? And I'm like, are you serious? This is my doctor. <laughs> this, this is like my doctor asking me these things. Um, so then the next day, I found a yoga teacher. Um, and talk about synchronicity. So my, my insurance covers private yoga teachings. So I literally had like one-on-one -on -one private yoga lessons every week for like two or three years, all covered by my insurance. Wow. And, and so we would go in there and I would, and of course, synchronicity hits again. So my yoga teacher is totally enlightened. She's like, she had a very similar experience. Um, she awakened differently, but I mean, I walked in and I was like, wow, you're really, you're really in tune. And she's like, wow, you're really in tune. And we just sat there and talked and, and I was able to open up to her and tell her all these crazy things that were happening. And she was able to explain them. She's like, oh, oh, this is happening. Well, here's what to do. Here's, here's what's happening. This is what it is. And so she was like really pivotal, pivotal in my, I guess, development. And, and then one night she said, oh, you're probably a healer. You probably have healing abilities. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if I do. And, and that's how I learned how I could give someone an orgasm without touching them. Because I, I went home and I was like, oh, my wife sort of looks like she needs just like some help some massage mm -hmm. and so i i literally and she's like yeah i do i really don't want to have sex tonight but i, I had a hard day and i was like okay I'll, I'll just how about i just give you a massage and she's like okay great so she so she lays down and i take my hands and i lay them like on her her sacrum and then on her heart and then i just i just grounded because i didn't know about grounding so i was walking around the world totally ungrounded. So I've got all this energy just flying off. It's like crazy. And, and, and it was a little bit too much. So, she, so my yoga teacher taught me about grounding. And then that night I grounded into my wife and she just had the most wildest orgasms ever. And it like changed her forever. Like it's like that one night totally changed her as well. It almost, it was almost like my energy jumped to her. And wow. like she's never, and she's never been the same either. So it's contagious. It's contag. It can be contagious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it can. And and I've experienced that with other people as well. Yeah, it totally is contagious. So did this change your relationship with your wife? Oh my gosh, totally changed it. Yeah, yeah, radically changed it. Um, I mean, we always had a pretty good relationship. You know, like the sex was, you know, it was like average, you know, it was like, you know, once a week, 10, 15 minutes. Um, now it's like, I don't know, three, four, five times a week, a couple times a day. Um, it lasts for hours. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. 
So it totally changed. It totally changed it. And then we're, we're more in love than ever today. Like people just go, what the heck? They're like, are you guys married? You know, because some, you know, once you've been married for a long time, sometimes that spark and that connection just sort of, I don't know, it just sort of, we get used to each other and it's not as incredible and intense as it was when you first were dating. Mm-hmm. And with us, it's just intensified. It's like, oh, wow, what a great time. We just had these incredible times together. And it's, it's literally transformed our relationship. That's great. And um, as, as a coach, are you able to teach like other couples how to do this? Yeah, that is, that is one of the things I work with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's cool to see those transitions. Like if you had a couple come into you and you're having like these type of issues, um, what would be like the first uh, suggestion you would make to them to, to head down that road to, to have these type of experiences? Well, one of the first things is I would probably, so I guess I could tell you a bit more about like the, the coaching that I do. Mm-hmm. So I, which actually is ironically is a synchronicity in itself and how I even came about that. Um, but I was introduced through um, a friend of mine that was a Tantra friend of mine to this woman named Jaya Ma, who is like the creator of this thing called the Erotic Blueprints. And it's a, it's a lot like the five love languages, except it's for the bedroom. And so there's like these, there's about five types of sexuality. There's energetic, which is kind of what I have. It's like that orgasms without touch. It's, mm-hmm. you know, seeing colors, it's transcendental kind of stuff. Um, then there's like, and there's, and this is like a type of sexuality that people have, uh, except no one ever teaches them that. So one of the first things we do is, is we figure out what blueprint they are, because that kind of gives us a roadmap of where of where they are and where they want to go. Because what happens with a lot of couples hmm. is what are the uh, five types? Ah, five types. Yes. Um, well, the first one is is the the energetic. The second is the sensual. And sensuals like things like beautiful music, candles, they need to have, they need to relax to have sex, which leads us to the more typical of what we see as westernized sexuality or, or, or worldwide sexuality is, is just straight up sex. It's, you know, penis and vagina. It's very straightforward. It's not very... I don't want to say it's not creative, but it's mm-hmm. it's just very it's just very straightforward. It's it's genitals and sex organs. The old in and out. The old in and out, exactly. <laughs> um, and then then the other type is is kinky, and so kinky is really like whatever is taboo for you. I mean, that could be like spanking, it could be you know bondage, it could be rope play, it could be chains, it could be floggers, it could be all sorts of different types of things that could be. It can be psychological or it can be physical. And then, of course, then there's the fifth type is the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is the person that, that wants all of these things. They need all of these things. And so when a couple comes in, a lot of times they don't even know what they, know what they don't know. Like, and they're going, I don't know why the two of us struggle so much. And then we get in there and we go, okay, well, let's figure out what your type is. 
And what you find is you find that the woman might be a sensual. And uh -huh. if you remember, a sensual needs to relax to have sex. But she's paired with a sexual partner. Her husband is sexual. And he needs to have sex to relax. Can you, can you start to see the struggle that people have? You've got two, like, types that don't, they can blend together, but their natural state, you have uh -huh. to learn these things. And you go, oh, I see. Could, could a person sort of be multiple states? Like, you know, one day be a sensual type and then the next day be a kinky type? You can, you can learn that. Um, I think it's, well, everybody has a little bit of, of everything in them. But a lot of people, like, then, of course, the shame card comes up. And, you know, some people are ashamed of their sexuality. They're not really let it, they don't, they're not comfortable letting it out. And so that's, of course, another thing you work on is, is go, what do you, you know, what are the things that you feel shame over? Because some people go, wow, I, God, I can't believe I want to be tied up. Or I can't believe, um, you know, like some people are, are totally adverse to oral sex. Mm -hmm. And... You know, they've, and it's no wonder. I mean, our, our country doesn't do a very good job with sex education. It's sort of like the birds and the bees and, um, you know, not much else. Yeah, it's more reproductive. Exactly. It's, it's like technical. It's like, well, this is how you have a baby. And, you know, women have periods. And, you know, then there's sexual transmitted diseases. And you don't want to get those. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really not a positive it's really not a positive environment to set a couple up for a really for a lifetime of like really fantastic sex. And I think that's really missing in our culture. I mean, if people could, if more people could have the kind of connection that I have with my wife, I mean, it, the world would just be a totally different place. It just, I just think it would be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so once you identify like what, what type each person is and say like there are two separate types, how do you kind of get them to merge together? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, a lot of it, it starts with awareness. So you start becoming aware of what you are and what your partner likes. So if, if you've got like, let's go back to that couple, like the sexual couple and you know, he, he needs but like his partner needs to relax. So it's like, okay, well, let's set the environment so that she can relax and slip and get to that point. So you start learning new skills, like essential likes. There's certain types of touch that each of these blueprints like. So for example, and so you start learning these touches. So you go, well, essential likes, you know, like contouring touch. Like if you can take your hand on your arm and just sort of just like, move it all very slowly contouring all over the different parts so that's a very sensual touch now an energetic touch is very light it's very airy so it's it could just be the fingertips it's just barely grazing over over the arm and mm -hmm. it's, it's it, in many ways it's very direct it's like in a straight line so so you start with a couple and going okay what your blueprint is and then you start incorporating like the touches and there's so much more i mean there's there's ways that you like to be 
touched. There's ways that you can speak to the person. And so when you can start speaking to the person in your blueprint, it really works great for singles because if you can start going, oh, I can see that, you know, let's say you're a person and you're out and you spot a person that you're attracted to, you can start to, to see how they dress and how their mannerisms are and how they speak. And you can start to pick up and go, oh, this person's, this person's a total kingster. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but it gives you this language so that you can go and speak that person's language. So, you know, your chances of, of, of connecting with someone is so much better when you actually talk your language. Like imagine if, if you were speaking French and I didn't understand French, I spoke like, I don't know, English. (laughs) (laughs) It would be difficult for us to have a conversation. And so we wouldn't be able to say what we like, what we don't like, here's how I want to be touched. Etc. So it just really starts giving you that language so that you can tell, you could, well, first of all, a lot of people don't even know what they want. So these blueprints allow you to go, oh, I really like that. And then you can ask your partner for those types of things. And of course, we, you know, we have a, I have a test, you know, there's a test, there's a, an online quiz that you can take that will help you understand what blueprint is. And then um, for the people I work with, we do this thing called an AB game where they actually do a series of touches on the body. And I, I coach the, the people through that. And they, you know, you sit down there, you sit with a, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and mm-hmm. write down. You're like, oh, the, my partner responded to this. They did not respond to this touch. And so it allows you to start building touches that your partner responds to. And, you know, which then leads to fantastic sex. So what happens, like, like, and I'll say this is pretty much true for me, like in any long-term relationship I've had, like in the beginning, like the first couple of years, it's just wild, crazy, dirty, bizarre sex. And then it just kind of slows down. Yeah. And becomes like, um, like, you know, just less exciting. Why does it, is is that something wrong with me or is that something that happens with everyone? You know, I really think that's actually something normal. That's like just normal behavior. What happens when, um, what happens when you, when two people meet and, you know, they start like, like you said, it's just wild, crazy, off the chart sex. Um, What's going on is, is your body's being flooded with all these hormones, like these really feel good, like oxytocin, other chemicals. Um, and over time, those start to those start to drop. They become more, you know, you become more comfortable with your partner, and those natural hormones that like boost your that just flood into your body over time diminish. And so you need to start, you know, and that's why people that's why couples sometimes break up after two or three years. They go, oh, this person doesn't love me anymore. Uh, I don't have that that connection, which isn't entirely true. You know, like you can. There's things that you can do to, to bring yourself back together so that you, you still have a fantastic relationship. I mean, I've been with my wife now like almost 26 years. Hmm. And it's not like that for us. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's like we're, we're still very much into each other. That's amazing. Um, how about like, like social 
you know, like sometimes like I find it difficult to talk about sex in, in, in settings because I don't know what's going to offend certain people. Um, uh, like, like, like for example, uh, somebody was talking about sex and, and you know, how they communicate. And I say, well, I, I just will walk by and, and smack my wife's booty, you know? <laughs> and, and so this person responded like, well, you must be a rapist. And I'm like, Oh. <laughs> no, no. I, I just like my wife's booty. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, what I would probably put that into like a container of like a consent conversation. Um, and that's, I think, an important aspect of saying what, what, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And a lot of times, like what's acceptable in one situation might not be for in another. So let me, I guess, put that into like maybe real world situations. So let's say, let me think of a really good one. Um, let's say like one partner likes a certain, maybe they're kinky or something, but maybe they don't want to be, maybe they don't want to be tied up every night. So mm -hmm. that could be like a consent conversation with a partner. And you can say, hey, um, tonight I'm looking for like this kind of experience. I'd like to, I'd like to be maybe tied up to a massage table. You could maybe lay my arms and legs down with some chains. I'd like you to, you know, pour coconut oil all over my body at first and then give me a really nice massage while I'm chained up. And then you can maybe flip me over and go down on me. And, you know, then we could have sex and then we could like hang out afterwards and maybe have a nice drink and then maybe do it again. And so what you're doing is you're setting a container for what's, what that evening looks like. And of course that can extend out into, um, you know, other aspects of your, of your life as well. Um, you know, it's, it's just having a container conversation of what is and what is not on the table. And so, so a lot of this is communication and, and that's like another tricky subject too. And I, and I find it sometimes difficult too, is just to, to start that conversation. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's communication tools that, that really facilitate one of the, uh, one of my favorites that I use is, is it, is what's called a dyad, like D Y A D. And they're fantastic tools to sit down and have a couple sit down and say, okay, here's the things that we want to discuss. And you come up with a, like a, it's actually not even a question. It's more of like an instruction. Mm -hmm. And the goal of dyads is to be understood. And that's it. It's not, it's not a conversation. It's not an argument. It's really just about hearing what the other person has to say. So, you could create like a dyad that says, tell me something about your sexuality that you'd like me to know. And that becomes the instruction. And then the couple sits down across from each other and they decide on how long they're going to do this. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 40 minutes. 40 minute ones are really fantastic because the first five or 10 minutes, you get all the, all the top layer stuff out. But once you get into that, like 20, 30 minutes, you're uh -huh. coming up with stuff. You're telling them like really deep things. And remember, this isn't a conversation. 
it's a it's about communication it's about being able to be authentic and be able to receive and be heard without judgment so the couple sits down and one person starts and says tell me something about your sexuality that you'd like me to know and then the person simply responds they say you know i mean just insert you know make up something i want to be tied up and then the person just says thank you they understood it there's no judgment there's no conversation they simply say thank you now let's say the person i don't know let's say they mumble then the person because remember the goal is to be under to hear what the person says so the person that didn't underhear them, they just say something like, say that again. And the person just simply repeats it. Now let's say the person rambles on for like five minutes and you really don't know what they say. You're like, you're like, <laughs> I, you know, I really want to, and the person goes, I really want to understand. I really want to understand. the people I talk to every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you ramble, they ramble on. They're like, you're just like, man, I missed the message like four minutes ago. So you say, summarize that, summarize that for me. And the person goes, okay, it's this, this, and this. And you go, oh, great. Thank you. And then sometimes the person really doesn't make sense at all. And of course, the goal is to be, is to understand what they say. So you just say, clarify that and then the person goes okay well what i really meant to say was i want to be tied up with chains strapped to a massage table and have coconut oil poured all over my body mm -hmm. you go thank you <laughs> <laughs> so 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 i like i think like like the being tied up and and and, and that kind of stuff now is almost like vanilla sex how about in those instances where people have desires that they're so shameful about or to get like a knot in their stomach oh, and, and they can't, they feel so ashamed and so much guilt that that talking about it makes it feel like they're like, if they even speak it, that they're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. There are some techniques that I'm trained in that can almost, they're, they're almost like metaphysical techniques where you just you simply sit down with the person and, and we talk to that part in their body that's having that reaction. And we find out, we talk to that part and, and start to talk to it and go, well, what is the goal for it? You know, because a lot of times these parts of our body that are creating these knots have a purpose for us. Like they have a goal for us. And when I work with couples, we sit down and we, and we figure out what those goals for those parts of us are. And then we create situations in which those goals are achieved. And then the problem goes away. And then the person no longer has these, like these knots tied up in their body. Because mm -hmm. sometimes it can manifest as pain. I was, I mean, I was working with um, a client, I think like two days ago, and she has so much pain in her body. You know, she's, you know, she's always doing this and that and the other. And you know, we did a, we've been, I've been working with her for a lot, a while lately. And and she texted me yesterday and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm no longer doing these things that create pain in my body. That's great. Like, wow. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you want to happen. So, you know, there's a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of shadow work that we go, that we do when I work with people and you know, we get in there and we'll find out what these shadows, what these shadows are, where they can, you know, 
I guess it doesn't really matter where they came from, um, but we create situations in which, which they resolve themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and then you're able to really go out and live the way you want to live. Interesting. So how about people that have like weird fetishes that make them feel guilty? It's, it's kind of the same thing. You know, same it's thing? like there's, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Because um, like, I know like, like, like people are just so like our society is so judgmental about anything oh. other than the old in and out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's actually, I mean, one of my, one of my best friends that I, um, that I met when I was getting my coaching certification and she was taking, you know, she was discovering what her blueprint was. And she's like, oh my God, there's kinky in there. She's like, I'm not kinky. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And, and so she took this test like over and over and over again. And it just kept showing up as like, you're, you're like 20, 30% kinky. Mm -hmm. And she had so much like, shame over that. And, and now, um, I mean, I went to a kink event with her. I went to a special kink training event with her in, in January of this, yeah, of this year. And, you know, she's sitting there tied up in a room full of people. She's, she's getting fire. She's doing fire play. So she's getting fire blown all over her body. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, and, and, you know, like the, the trainer brought out like these, they look like Wolverine bear claws uh -huh. you know, and, and, they're being dragged down people's bodies and, and people are just like, yeah, there's just no, once, once that shame leaves you and you go, Hey, I'm normal. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times people just need to say, Hey, this is just normal. This is okay for you to like these types of things. It's, it's totally normal. It's just in the realm of sexuality. Hmm. And, and it, these are things that people can get over and they can get over them pretty quickly. I've just seen amazing changes um, from people that are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I want to be spanked. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like fucking buying paddles. And stuff. I mean, they're just like, oh, I need this paddle and that paddle. And, and this is what I want. And it's so amazing to see these changes in people because um, it doesn't take that long. It's, it's amazing how quickly they can, they can transform. It's incredible. Um, have you ever run across people that practice something that's just dangerous? There can be things. Yeah, there, there can be dangerous. Um, and I think one of actually in that BDSM ink realm, education and safety really are super, super important. Things like, um, being well-educated because, you know, you don't want to, you know, some people like choking, okay? And, you know, you don't want to end up, like, dead. No, that sucks. You know? Yeah, I mean, that sucks. I mean, oh, <laughs> I was in for a good time, choked me, <laughs> and, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're in the ER, you know, oh, crushed. That's like that guy who accidentally choked himself. Oh, what was that dude? He was in uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, or, I mean, there's all sorts of people that have accidentally done this, you know? And it's, it's like autoerotic, it's not autoerotica, but it's, it's, um, well, when you, when you can, when you control the flow of breathing. It, yeah, I it, think it's called autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. And, 
that's a real thing for sure. And yeah, it can be dangerous. So when you're doing these things, um, you have to be educated on how, on how to do them safely. And there is a way to do them safely. It's, it's like there's a way to spank someone safely because, you know, the, you know, you don't want to end up breaking the person's tailbone right? or, or shattering or like breaking their vertebrae or, uh, you know, or like leaving permanent marks. Mm-hmm. So education goes a huge, a long, long, long way. And when you can do these things safely, it, it's a, it's very pleasurable. Right. You want to stay, you want to stay on those fleshy parts of the body and away from organs. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to strike someone like in the kidney area or in the lower kidney area. Like if you're, if you're flogging someone, yeah. um, you want to be, um, like kink is very creative, but it, it, it's also one of those things that you really have to master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like you don't want to just, you, let's say you buy a brand new flogger. You just can't start hitting the person. You have to know where to strike them and ways to, to do it and be, it's one of those things you have to be good at, you know, because like if you're tying someone up, if you're tying someone up, you don't want to like suddenly like cut off the circulation to their wrists or ankles. Uh-huh. So you have to be skilled in that, like how to tie so that it's like, it's tight enough to, to, to meet the demands, but it's not too tight so that the person's arms go down. And of course, you know, you want to have safety scissors um, close by in case something happens. You also want to be aware of the things that can happen. So for instance, like if a person is, you know, let's say they've got their arms tied up um, and they're standing up and they're in a standing up position and that's what they wanted and it's all consensual. But, you know, the person could like faint. Yeah. And so, so you want to see, so you want to know like the times, like, okay, well, let's do this. You can take this for about maybe five to 10 minutes, you know, not leave you up there for 45 minutes. I mean, it's not like a torque, you know, it's not, you know, the CIA torturing you or something like that. You know, it's, 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 just, it's like, you know, it's like Guantanamo Bay or something. It's, um, you know, it's supposed to be pleasurable. So you want to be aware of these things of, you know, what's, what can happen, what to do if they happen. Um, I mean, talk about that, you know, like you don't want, you want to, if the cops show up at your house, you know, you want to know what to say. (laughs) Um, Why is it that um, something that is, would ordinarily be painful during sex become pleasurable? Oh, because they're, they, 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 um, those pain and pleasure run along the same neurological pathways. They run, um, they run in the same, they run in the same. Right. Just yeah. like hot, just like hot and cold are both a temperature. Yeah. They're like, both temperature. Uh, pleasure and pain are both a sensation. Exactly. And, and, you know, intense sensation can feel pretty good. Now, you also might not start off at a level 10, you know, let's say if you're starting off and you're like, okay, well, let's, let's try some spanking. And, you know, this is something I never knew I liked. I had no idea I liked being spanked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you start off slow. It's like, this is my, this is my one, you know, and, and you get, that's actually what I teach is, 
is how to is how to progress into that. And so you start off and you you know your partner's you know bent over in, in or in a position that's works for this. And you start off very lightly. You know, and you say this is this is the lightest I can do this. How is that to you? And the person's like, wow, that's like on a scale of one to ten, where is that? And the person's gonna say something like, I don't know, that's like a one. You go, okay, great. Well, I'm gonna give you my two. How is that to you? The person's like, yeah, that's great. And then you start, you just progress up. And at one point, the person's going to say, wow, that feels a little too intense. Let's back it off a little bit. And, and, then, and then that's the level that you stay at. So it's, you know, you don't start off and say, this is as hard as I can. Uh-huh. And, you know, and leave a welt on the person. Um, but some people like that. So it's, it's, it's all about that container of like, um, you know, kink is all about like negotiation and saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to experience. This is how at the end of the session, this is what I want to happen. There's things called aftercare, you know, cause you just, you just don't want to like leave the person like a quivering orgasmic mess. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they might need water. They might need to be held. They might need a blanket. They might need cuddling and and so all these things you got to negotiate ahead of time. So um, that, does, does this kind of uh, kinky play always have to involve, like, you know, resolving yourself with an orgasm or no? It, no, not at all. No, not at all. Like sometimes it depends on what, it, it depends on what the two people or more people negotiate. Right. Like I think like some to. people will just look at it as like adult play, adult playtime sort of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it could be, um, there's all sorts of things. You know, one of them is like pretty poses. Like, like okay, like let's say the person says, I'm the, a, a couple goes, well, I want to be the dominant person and then you've got a submissive person. And the dominant person says, I want you to put on this sexy lingerie that I bought for you. I want you to lay on the bed. I want you to, um, you know, lay a certain way, and then I just, you just want to admire the person. I mean, that's a perfect example of, of, no, of no, you know, orgasms involved. It's just, mm. it's that dominant, it's that dominant submissive play. Right. And, and, and how, how about people that, that, that really get deep into that lifestyle and, and, and live it permanently, like 24 hours a day? Right. Um, can you say again? Can you clarify what you mean? Um, like, like some people will go into like the dominant and uh, submissive roles and live that way permanently. Yeah. Like, yeah, like one person becomes the other person's slave and that's it. That's all they are. That, at, at the, I, I know people that, that have those relationships. And what's, what's really interesting to me is that it's a very, very loving relationship. It's very supportive. It's not, it's not like the person is, is treated badly or anything. It's, it's very negotiated and it's, 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 it's really interesting to see. Cause I, um, that's one of the things that I recently learned back in January. I got to meet um, like this master kink, you know, icon. And he has like three or four slaves. And they're like a big happy family. It's 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 a really interesting dynamic to see that in play because it's not something that 
I would have imagined, you know, I suppose before this, I would have imagined, well, you're my slave, you do anything I say. You know, I think, I think we have these preconceptions of, of what that means. And it wasn't at all what it meant at all to me. It was really fascinating to see that. Um, do you think uh, like BDSM play in particular in dominant and submission roles help build trust in a relationship? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're putting your trust in that person. You're putting that and you're, you're demonstrating it. You're demonstrating to the person that you can hold your boundaries and you can hold them in agreement and hold your agreements. You can hold yourself to your agreements. You hold your partner to the agreements and you say, this is what's on the table. This is what's not on the table. This is what I want. And then when you go through and you fulfill those exact exactly what you talked about that builds trust because you're doing exactly what you said you were going to do. You don't do more than you said you were going to do. You don't try to sneak something in. You know, if the person says, I just want to be tied up. I don't want to have sex. But then while you're sitting there and you're like, she's tied up, I'm just going to stick it in. Well, that's breaking the trust boundary. That's right. not what you agreed. But on the other hand, you say you totally honor those commitments that you had to each other. That totally builds trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it can be used as a tool in a relationship to build trust. You know, like maybe it starts, like say you have a couple that doesn't trust each other. This could be a tool to help them become, you know, more trusting in all areas of the relationship. I think it could be. Yeah. I, I kind of, that's an interesting insight. I like that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I do think that could be, this could be a tool. You know, obviously the, the couples was willing to play in that realm. And what's interesting is, you know, once, once you start learning about your sexuality and realizing that what you want is normal and that you can have those things and they're not shameful, people really start to open up. They start going, oh, I, I, I could imagine myself being tied up or I could imagine being spanked or or, you know, or, or doing something like knife play or, or something like psychological play or, you know, or playing with like consensual non-consent. You know, like imagine, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have rape fantasies, you know, right. and, and, you know, some, sometimes the partner wants to act as, you know, the person goes, hey, I have this fantasy. I know it's, just, you know, hey, no shame about it, but some people do have rape fantasies. And you can use kink to explore and play in that realm and say, this is what I'd like to do. And, you know, it could be like maybe the plumber, that the plumber comes over and, you know, overpowers the partner and takes them to the bedroom and mm -hmm. ravishes them and then, then leaves. And that could be the fantasy. And so, yeah, kink is, a, is definitely a way to, to explore those realms. That's when you and break out the ski mask. You break out the ski mask. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I actually did a scene like that. You know, I had, um, I had a partner that wanted that. And, and, and you know, and that's, what, that's what was playing out. Um, how about, like, like so far we've, we've just sort of focused, like, on this one-on-one -on -one type of relationships, like a man and his wife. Mm -hmm. um, when, 
other people start getting like when it becomes like a poly relationship uh, and other people start getting involved, how does a person keep the trust going? Because I've seen that happen and, and then just everything just falls apart. Somebody breaks the rules and, and that's it. And then all these relationships are ruined. Right. Yeah. Those, those types of relationships have to be, have to be spelled out and, and say, you know, say, you know, this is, these are the boundaries. Container of, um, my wife is chilling near breasts and, Thank you. Those are beautiful, honey. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Gary. My wife has just managed to wake up and come out and grab some coffee. She's, <laughs> she's uh, essentially naked in the kitchen. <laughs> I think she's trying to entice me to come back to bed. Um, anyway, um, I'm sorry. I was totally distracted. Um, so yeah, in a in a poly relationship, you know, it's something that everybody's you know, all parties need to be in agreement about, you know, you can't, um, you know, you can't coerce somebody into that kind of situation if they don't want it. Um, so that's, I think, number one. Um, two is it is important to, to be per- personal growth orientated because things like jealousy are going to come up and they do. Right. Um, they do come up and you just can't, you can't sweep them under the bed pretend they don't exist you do have to you know there is work that you need to do it's not um it's definitely has to be a conscious choice and there's definitely work involved i know this i know this personally um i i I know this personally and it's it's not for the faint at heart for sure and you just have to be committed to one another and committed to go through the uncomfortable things when they happen and it can come out really, it can come out really beautiful and, and loving. It's, that, that's my personal experience, is that they can be very enriching. What's interesting is, and, and this is my conclusion, is that everybody has, has different needs. And, different, and, and one person simply might not be able to satisfy all those needs that the person has, and that that's okay. It's, it's okay you know, to do this consensually. You know, I'm not saying this isn't, you know, oh, my wife doesn't meet my needs, so I'm going to go out and cheat on my partner. That's not what we're talking about. That's cheating. That's not polyamory. Right. Um, so, you know, polyamory or, or other forms of non-monogamy, you know, ethical non-monogamy, there's, there's a lot of different flavors of it. And I think the key is, like I said, it's, it's being awareness and being consensual about the whole thing, being open and upfront about what your needs, wants, and desires, and having and how to get those fulfilled. So it's it's an absolute, um, it's absolutely possible to do that. It has to be challenging, I can imagine. I mean, sometimes it's difficult just to get two people to communicate. Besides getting, you know, three or four people all to communicate. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you um, succeed at it, I imagine it's amazing. It is. It can be absolutely. Um, you can have really fulfilling relationships um, that that meet all the needs that you have, and you know, communicating what those needs are to the other partners so they they understand. They go, oh, I see. I see why you like this person. I see why you want to be in a relationship with them. 
because those those aren't parts of me. And it is, you know, like I said, personal growth is definitely in the mix here. It's it's not something that you just kind of go out and wing it. There's there's a lot of fabulous books on this. I think one of my one of my favorites is Ethical Slut. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually, that's the name of it, Ethical Slut. And you know, it really it spells out things that you need to be aware of and, and do discussing the relationship so that it can be done in a very safe way. Um, I also, in some BDSM situations, uh, people will enter a state, um, you know, while they're being spanked or flogged, which is, is called subspace. Yeah, subspace. Is, is there any connection with subspace and, uh, you know, like what happened to you with the Kundalini awakening? Hmm. I could see that that could be a trigger. Yeah, because it, it when you when you go into subspace, you just sort of well, it's it's really a hard thing to describe. You just sort of like you're just fully in your body. Like you're just you're there. And it can go quite deep. I mean you can just be I mean, I remember I, I had a partner and she was in subspace and one of the questions is tell me your name. And, and that's always a good place to know because when you're in that type of relationship and, and someone has the possibility of going into subspace, you as the person, the dominant person that's taking it there has mm-hmm. a huge responsibility for that person because that person is placing their care in your hands. Like dominance to me isn't really about like, oh, I'm going to beat them with this cane and you know, make their butt bleed, whatever. <laughs> it's... it's your, your, your person is entrusting their body and their pleasure to you. They're in charge of it. And subspace can happen. And, you know, you've got to, you have to check in with the partner and see where they're at. And, and I, I love that question. It's like, just checking in with you. Um, tell me your name. And if the person, you know, rattles it right back, they're, they're, you know, they're probably not there. But if they're going, I knew my name when yeah, my name is, uh, yeah, I knew it when I came in here. You know, it starts with, it starts with B, uh, ends in B, you know, it's, it's, it's a very real thing, that subspace, but I could definitely see it being a trigger into some kind of a kundalini awakening for sure. Cool. Um, in tantric sex, um, have you ever, I mean, I don't know if there's really a difference if they're the same thing like tantric and like sex magic. Hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, they're similar. They're, the um, sex magic is specifically, it's using your sexual energies to manifest things into your life. And Sex magic has been around for a very, very long time. It does have its, its roots in tantra for sure. And you can have, you know, they're, they're rituals. They're, they're essentially you're using like that sexual energy and you're imagining the thing that you want, the manifestation. And, and then boom, it's, and it, and it manifests itself. And there's, there's elaborate um, 
sex magic rituals that you have that involve that involve breath. And you know, it's funny. It's like there's even a mainstream book that has a really, really fantastic description of sex magic in it. Um, there's a book by Napoleon Hill. It's Think and Grow Rich, mm. and I believe it's chapter thirteen is an ent- is entirely devoted to sex magic. Wow, that's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Napoleon <laughs> Hill, and you know, and this is personal development. So you know, sexuality is a part of everybody. Everybody has a sexuality. And I think that, I think when you see books like that, acknowledge that it's huge. You know, it's, it's, it's pulling, pulling it out of the shadows and um, it's pulling it out of the shadows. So, you know, Pete, you can be real. Um. Thinking of like, like back when I was, I know they're not around anymore, but when I was younger, there used to be like sex clubs in like the meat district of New York, places like Hellfire, The Vault, places like that. Um, but they were all sort of, I guess they've all been shut down now. Uh, like, like, do those type of places, do you think help relationships or, or do you think they're harmful? You know, I think I think they I think they give a place a person a, a, a safe space to explore, exploring, and you know you don't have to. I mean, there's I live in Southern California, and there's my gosh, there's sex clubs all over the place. Really, and, and this and this just isn't it's just not it's not just Southern California. Um, they exist throughout the world, absolutely, and you know a lot of them are very. You know, there's specific, you know, some are specific to different genres. You know, like there's, there's a lot of, um, like, lifestyle swing clubs out in the Palm Springs area. There's, there's kink clubs down in San Diego, uh, up in the uh, Los Angeles area. There, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. You know, a lot of, you know, it's not advertised in mainstream media. You know, you have to, you have to look. But they totally exist, and I think that they're a fantastic place to go and and play and just be around others in a sexual environment. And it doesn't mean you have to have sex with other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first um, like sex event that we, that we went to and we didn't have sex with other people. We just went to be there and be around that sexual energy where people aren't afraid to be themselves. And it was very, very, um, Wow, we had just the hottest sex ever. I mean, that <laughs> I mean, oh my god! I mean, it was it was. We went down to someplace in San Diego, and you know, it was like a it was like a whole ho- oh, it was like a whole hotel. It was like a, like a hotel takeover. So everybody there was sex positive, and you know, they might have they might be polyamory, or they might just be there themselves, or they might be just exploring. And it was, you know, no one like came up and grabbed your ass or dick, boobs or anything. I mean, it was just, it was very, um, it was very friendly and open. And you were able to be around this like sexually charged energy. And, you know, of course, yes, people were, you know, people were having sex in the hot tub for sure. Um, But, you know, you you could still sit in the hot tub and not be um, like approached or 
um, like there was strict boundaries, like there's very strict boundaries in these in these cultures, so that you can go as a couple, maybe just like a you know a quote vanilla couple, and you just want to be around like this sexual energy. And I think the sex club is a great place to explore that. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's far safer than bars. I mean, <laughs> I it's it's you know. We can go out. I know. I mean, I remember. I've just remembered so many situations where I've been out with wife and girlfriends, and, and you know, guys just come up and they're just like, "I just want to fuck you," and they don't take no for an answer. And they're just like, "Why don't you go home with me?" And they just—it's just nonstop. And we're like, "Man, like you really got to leave our friend alone, dude." Like, yeah. no means no. I don't know what you don't get about that, but fucking no means no. Get the fuck out of here. Do you, do that you would, think that the that alcohol, would, alcohol and these and sex are like the one thing I think about the sex clubs is like rarely do you ever see alcohol? I, oh, there, there's definitely alcohol involved um, a lot of times. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean you don't want to you don't you know you don't want to be totally blasted because because then your decision making uh -huh. goes out the window. But um, but yeah, I mean you can. I think you can do that safely. I think moder um, you know moderation is probably mm -hmm. the you know uh, the way to go with that. You know you don't want to have like any kind of regrets or anything. Right. Like, but do you think like 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 say somebody has like some body shame, and then they do overdo it and do something that they regret? Um, you know, I think you got to just be gentle on yourself. You know, just say, yeah, you know, that's I was exploring or. You know, I think that's something they can get over. Uh, you know, I'd, I would applaud the person for, for even taking that leap and, mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know, maybe it didn't turn out the way you wanted. What are, what, are, what are the wins? What are your wins or insights or learnings that you got from this experience? You know, yeah. how would you do this differently in the future? Um, uh, I, I think one of the things that keeps people away, too, is they're just they don't, uncomfortable being naked around other people. Yeah, that is that is true, um, and that's that, that can happen. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are afraid of nudity, and and it's something I think you could grow into. Um, you know, there's there are clubs. You know, you don't have to go in. You know, most people are honestly wearing clothes. Yeah. Um, and then they have some. You know, there's separate rooms for you to sort of navigate to if you want to be intimate with somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is liberating, you know, it is, it's, um, I gave a, I actually gave a workshop in Palm Springs to a group of nudists. Um, that was a really, that was a pretty fun experience. Um, I was literally the only person wearing clothes. <laughs> and I'm giving like a workshop to probably about 30 naked people. And, and none of them had any kind of shame. I mean, it was really, it was really quite liberating to see that, that that's something that people can get over and, and process and, and grow into. Right. Do you think that, that um, like one of the things that bothers me sometimes is people associate nudity with, 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 with sex, which isn't necessarily the case. 
Yeah, that's totally, totally right. Um, it's like this weird association that you should be ashamed of your body because it's sexual. But it's really just your body, you know? It's who yeah. you are. Right. Right. Well, a lot of people, there are a lot of, you know, hang-ups. Like, people are like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm too skinny or too fat or... You know, there's, you know, body image, body image is a huge part. You know, a lot of people are ashamed of their body and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's, it's, it's people, it's, I think it's a a lot of it is Mm self-imposed. A lot of it is like self-imposed by the individual. Um, You know, like sexiness, sexiness comes from the inside. Like it doesn't matter what your body looks like, but you can feel sexy and that translates, and people can see that in you. Like, if you feel sexy inside, and you, and you feel comfortable showing that, it doesn't really matter what your body looks like. Because you're being who you are. You're being really who you are. And, you know, you're, you're showing other people, and you, you don't even have to be naked to do this. You, know, you, can just, you can just be like the clothes you wear, or, or just how you stand, or, and your demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, how about like I had a girlfriend once, and and she would get really upset and jealous whenever I even glanced at another woman. Mm-hmm. That's common. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that can be. Um, you know, I suppose like some of that comes from. I don't want to. I don't want to put a label on it because it could come from I think you know, several places. You know, one is insecurity or. Or, or it could be jealousy, but that is that's a definite thing that's real. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have. You know, a lot of people just have these societal um, societal rules, like societal unspoken rules of of what a relationship looks like, and it's it's sort of like we're all human beings and. You know, if you see somebody that you're attracted to, you know, that's natural. Mm-hmm. It is, I, you know, it's, that's a natural thing. And, and to shut that out, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to act on it, but you can appreciate a person that you see and go, wow, that, that, that guy's hot or that girl's hot. Or wow, that, you know, she's just got really great hair and you look at her and, you know, and, and some people have issues with that. Yeah. Now, you know, granted, I mean, you might, there might be a little bit of tact involved. You know, if, like if you're out on your anniversary night, you probably, maybe not, <laughs> maybe, you know, like scoping the room out. <laughs> you, know, I think you know, I think timing's, timing, timing's important here. Um, but I think, I do think it's natural. I do think it's natural to be attracted to other people. And, you know, and, and then whether you act, on that or not is, I think, within the uh, the container of the relationship that you have. Uh, uh, how about sex dreams? What if you have a sex dream about somebody else other than your partner? Does that count as cheating? Oh, that's, oh, that's just natural. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's just normal stuff. I mean, it happens. Um, you know, everybody has fantasies. You know, it's like, um, you know, fantasy is a rich world in which you can explore your sexuality and. And, you know, a lot of times people find that the fantasies are best left as a fantasy. Like they might not want to be, they might not want that experience in real life. 
And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. Like some fantasies are just that fantasies. They have no, you know, no, you know, no, um, you know, real world actions. Right. Right. Have you ever heard of people having a fantasy ruined by actually experiencing it and not having it live up to what they expected? I I haven't personally experienced. I don't believe I've personally experienced that. Um, but I I have heard it. I have heard. I have I have heard of it happening. I haven't run into it personally. I haven't run into it personally yet. But I could totally see that that's that's real. It's like oh my fantasy was. Um, I don't know, make up, you know, make up anything and, and, and then it doesn't live out because a lot of times things, you know, because in your imagination, it's perfect. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> your imagination comes up and it's like, yeah, it's exactly what I want. And then like you act it out and it's like, wow, that, I didn't expect that to, you know, wow. Yep. And then, then fantasy ruined. <laughs> you got to yeah, come up like, with wow. a new one. Wow, it's like my buckle is now like I don't know if it'll ever go back. I mean, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> it's, the fantasy sounded so good, but in reality, no, not so much. Uh, do Do you think that uh, certain religions have created like a sexual prison for people? That actually is pretty common. That actually is a very common thing. I know. I know. Um, I know several people that have had that have. Uh, had to work on that. You know, it's like, it's like religious shame. You know, there's so many religions that just say, you know, like, Hey, sex is for procreation. That's, and that's it. And, and I know there's certain religiouses, certain religions that go around and, and check on that. They're like, Hey, we're just making sure that you and your wife are only having sex for procreational reasons. And, you know, it's very frowned on. It's very frowned on. There's a lot of religions like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, you, you know, because they basically make sex bad. And then, you know, you get like aberrations, you know, because sex is normal. You know, sex is normal. And, you know, you, you, and it's, it's strange to me that like a religion, something that's, you know, purportedly to like, you know, enlighten you, and, you know, be a good person and, you know, love your neighbor and love this. And then, you know, but hey, you can't actually enjoy yourself. You can't actually love yourself and enjoy pleasure and the pleasures are birthright you know there's you know there's a reason you know our bodies is capable of incredible pleasure and to to shut that down i just don't i just think that's kind of wrong yeah and how, how about like when they uh i don't know the, like some of them sort of like seems like the the um disempower women Mm-hmm. disempowering women yeah like they take away their sexuality and take away their power as women yeah um yeah i just don't agree with that i mean women are incredibly powerful people they're incredibly powerful creatures that probably that more have. powerful than us yeah i mean they just <laughs> like have. most definitely are actually yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it's, it's, i i just think that's um I think you got to see people for who they are, you know, no matter, you know, matter, no matter what sex they are. And it does, you know, it does, I, I do think our, I mean, you see it in our cultures, you know, women don't make the kind of money, you know, women don't make the same amount of money as men do. Um, 
they have different rules, you know, like this slut shaming. Um, you know, the same rules don't apply to men. Like if a no. man's like a, a stud, he goes out there and he, you know, he's like, well, I've got like two girlfriends, three girlfriends or whatever, and I'm, you know, he's a player. He's seen as like a total stud, mm-hmm. you know? But, but wow, girl, she's, she's like sleeps with three guys. Fucking slut. I mean, that's not right. No. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's slut, slut shaming is totally real. You know, people can get totally shamed. And what's interesting is a lot of times it's, it's not even accurate. Like I know, um, you know, a colleague that, you know, she grew up in a, um, you know, religious town and they, she was labeled a slut and she was a virgin. But everybody treated her like a slut. Does it make sense? Yeah. Doesn't, no. I'm like, <laughs> what? That's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing. There's a lot, you know, it's sexuality is a, is a thing that's just not talked about openly, and it's something that everybody has. You know, it would be like, like not having a shoe store. You know? Mm-hmm. Or, or something, you know, it's just not, you know, and I, and I think that's one of the things that I love about what I do is, is I'm able to, you know, be able, you know, be able to talk about it openly and, you know, and this is fantastic that you have a show that, that gives people a forum to say, hey, this is totally normal. This is, you know, this is what's in the range of normality. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and a lot of people just don't know what's, you know, a lot of people are just, under the auspices of, you know, of the straight sexual blueprint, you know, it's just like it's penis, vagina, boobs, tits, um, <laughs> you know, intercourse, babies, and then of course cake is wrong, you know, because you know only deviants would want that, and then, um, you know, and then you know some people, I mean, so many people don't even aren't even aware of the energetic aspects of, of sexuality. They're not aware of like the transformational sex magic. Um, you know, seeing colors, having energetic orgasms, having, you know, men having multiple orgasms. Totally, uh-huh. that's, a, that's a total thing. But no one ever talks about that. So it's, it's fantastic. I love this. Your show, you know, you're so open to, to come on and, and talk about that and, and really pull back the curtains and say, hey, here's what's available to people. It's pleasure's your birthright. And, you know, live your life the way you want to because when you shed all those, when you shed all those masks, like you're really able to live as your true authentic self. And it's just absolutely fantastic. It's so, I mean, it's so simple. It's just like, you know, fuck shame and be yourself. (laughs) But at the same time, it's such a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, But, but, you know, you don't have to go it alone. You know, there's people that can guide you, you know? Yeah. um, I wish when I had support means a lot. It absolutely does. You know, it's like, it's like that bridge that you don't have to cross alone. Um, I mean, if I didn't have the mentors that I had with, with my Kundalini awakening, I mean, I don't know. I mean, imagine me trying to navigate that on my own. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm having these weird energy currents through my body. I forget to breathe. My body shakes just randomly throughout the day. Ah, yeah, must be a brain tumor. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Yeah. So you know, it was um, there's people out there that can that can help and navigate and help you guide. It's and you know help you live to who you really are. It's it's just I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. Um. What about like 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 real sexual deviance? Do you think there's anything that could be done to help them? Like like say for example, like a necrophiliac. Right. Hmm. Well, I'd be. I guess I'd wonder what is that like? Just a fantasy, or is that like an actionable thing that they're having like an issue? Like, because maybe it's maybe it's like a fantasy. Uh huh. Um. Because I mean, like, how would you how would you get a body? Yeah, like, like people will definitely frown upon sex with corpses. Yeah, you know, like sex with corpses, that might be a little bit, I mean, that would certainly be edgy for me, for sure. You know, would you? I mean, <laughs> just a little, right? Just a little, yeah, just a little. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open, but, um, you know, where would I get one? Yeah, I, you know, do I get, do I have to get one on my own? I mean, uh, uh I, I uh, I'm sure somebody out there knows where to get one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, I could probably do a Google search, uh, <laughs> you know, I, corpses are us or something. I yep. don't know. <laughs> necro, <laughs> necro, com or something. No. But, but, but you think those are just fantasies that are just going wrong? Or do you think maybe there's just bad people? with bad sexual desires. You know, I, you know, you have to be, I think you have to be open to the chance, you know, to the possibility of, of people that have like things that really aren't healthy, like, you know, like sex trafficking, that's, that's not healthy, you know, right. like, you know, sex with like four year old girls or nine year old mm-hmm. girls, you know, that's, that's not, healthy. Um, you know, necrophilia, that's, that's not, like, I, I would say, I'm not sure how I would, how I would deal with that, I would probably refer the person to like a, a counselor, like a therapist for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think um, there's certain things, there's certain realms that I can work and help people within. And then there's certain things that's just like beyond my capabilities. And I, and I right. think that would be one of them. You know, I'll be like, wow, like Jack, I really want to have sex with corpses. I'm like, okay, well, is that, you know, is that a fantasy or is that, or do you really want that? They're like, no, I really want that, Jack. I'm like, uh-huh. well, I don't. I don't really have any bodies. I mean, um, I think we probably should probably talk to somebody. You know, and, and there's, the, you know, I'm sure there's there's unpacking that you could do. And, you, know, you could say, well, why is it? You know, what part of you wants this? Um, Interesting. How about people that are aroused not by other people but by objects? Hmm. Yeah, like so. You know, people have certain like, certain fetishes, mm-hmm. like mannequins or trees or whatever. Yeah, well, I suppose um, I suppose you could have like a sexual arousal to, to certain things, like like certain images, or um, you know, I, I suppose I would probably ask the question, "What does that represent to you?" Right. Um, you know, because that could be very like. Oh, um, you know, because orgasms can come from all different sorts of places. Like, as as I'm, I'm definitely I fall into like the high energetic category of person. 
but I mean, I remember going to, I, mean, I remember going to a, a little concert, a little private concert here, and we're sitting in like the second row and the guy starts playing and I'm just like, my whole body like went into like one of those full body orgasms and I'm like in public and I didn't know it was going to happen. It just started happening. Um, so I, you know, I definitely see the possibility of, of you know, sexuality has such a huge realm that I could definitely see like people being turned on by something like, um, I don't know, like maybe a foul chip, like vegetable you know, orgasms can come from all just all different sorts of places. You know, like you can have like a sound orgasm or uh -huh. um, like a laughing orgasm. There's just so many types. Laughing orgasms are really fun. Um, but you know, I guess the stimulus that, that creates them. You know, I don't know if there's any really any real limits. You know, like for sure. Interesting. Um, I had a question. I just forgot it. Oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it's like, you just mentioned like the laughing thing. Like, I've never really thought of that, but, 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 but when you have like a fit of laughter or crying even, yeah, it's yeah. very similar to like an orgasm. It, it, it is. It, it is. It's, it's, and it's completely emotional. It, it is. It's like an emotional release. It's like an emotional release. And it just kind of goes in there and they're really contagious. Like laughter orgasms can be like literally contagious. Like you just start laughing and then suddenly like, and you don't know what you're laughing about. It's just, it's just like, suddenly you're just laughing. You know, and usually like something, I think what triggered it for me was like a, um, was a, like a Morocco rattle. Uh -huh. Like, I don't know what's funny. I mean, what's funny about a Morocco rattle? Uh -huh. I have no idea. I got no, I got nothing. I have no idea what, what's funny about that. But, but something in me found it incredibly hilarious. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed for probably like 20 minutes straight <laughs> i'm like that with bunt cakes for some reason <laughs> bunt cakes. i don't know why i think they're i just think they're hilarious i think the word is hilarious bunt cake. <laughs> yeah. bunt cakes. yeah <laughs> yeah those are good yeah i can't think of a word without laughing a bunt cake nothing there's a company called nothing bunt cakes <laughs> <laughs> see it made me laugh yeah, yeah nothing bunt cakes <laughs> um astral sex you think that's possible to have sex outside of your body with another person uh, that was the question i had forgotten yeah yeah um i do think so i i have i've had certain experiences with a with a lover that's long distance, like thousands of miles away, and we can totally feel each other's presence. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. That's pretty and cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely cool, and, and um, you can. It's like I can totally feel you. I can I can like feel your body, and, and you know, you can orgasm over it. So I mean, I just I 
from personal experience. Yeah. I wonder if that's like an area of study that hasn't been opened up yet where like say two people are far away, but they're thinking about each other sexually at the same time and orgasm, mm -hmm. you know, if it, if it creates some type of connection, like on a quantum level. I, I think so. I mean, because you know, what's interesting is, is I've always, I've always sort of thought I was a little bit psychic, like, like I'd be like, you know, I need to get a hold of this person and they, it suddenly calm me, you know, it's, it's and, and they're like, well, why did you suddenly call me? And they're like, I don't know. I just sort of felt like I needed to is their answer. And, and so I've had these experiences my whole life. I never really knew what they were. I kind of thought that they were, um, you know, just coincidences, but I think the more that I get, like the deeper awake that I got into my awakening, the more I realized that they're, like that's actually what's going on. You're like, hey, I'm reaching out to this person. They pick it up and then they call me. So I mean, it's. I think that's real because yeah. I've I've because pers I personally experienced it. That's cool. Yeah. I yeah. I didn't expect to get an answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. No. It's 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 amazing what's possible. It's what's possible. I mean, it kind of reminds me. It reminds me of this one experience I had. Well, I'd say it's probably like four or five years ago. But I think we were we were making love, and we were and they were like, like we were like we needed a break, so we were just lying there. And my body went into this, um, like kriya. So my you know it looks like I'm like having a full on seizure, but it's mm -hmm. like just going oh god, this feels so good, and. Oh, okay. That's what happened. Okay, so we were making love, and while we were doing that, I saw these like white shapes. I call them white shapes, and they were like these things, and they just sort of started swirling around in my mind. And I was like, "Wow, was, you know, I mean, it was really great." And then we were, then we were laying down, and we're just lying there. And I said, "I said, quote, oh, the white shapes are back." It was just sort of like, ah, like, ah, the news is on at 10. I mean, it was that level of nonchalance. Uh -huh. ah, the white shapes are back. And, oh, wow, like my body just went into that full-on Korea. It's just shaking and shaking. And I see these, these white shapes. Like, it almost felt like they were, like, downloading into my mind. And it just seemed to go on forever. And then... Like I'm shaking and then suddenly like my wife's like, Oh my God, Oh my God. It's and it jumped to her. And so then she's like having the same kind of sort of experience and it just went on and on and on. And I, I would kind of, it's sort of like that. I'd never knew that was possible, but it was, but it is. Do you, do you think that could have been like some type of astral being? Hmm. You know how like there's like stories of like succubus and stuff like that, right? You know, it it doesn't feel that way. Um, the way I remember when it was over, I said something like, "Well, that changes everything," or things will never be the same. It was almost the way it felt like. It felt like I was. It felt like a download of like information. Wow. That's, that's what it felt like. 
but I have had, I have had experiences where, um, like I was in my room, like I was in the master and, you know, my eyes are closed. And then suddenly like the room temperature, like it felt like it just dropped. It's like, it just got really, really cold. And then like, um, like this purple face appeared in my mind's eye. Like it was, it was like drawn out of lines, but it looked photorealistic. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and it, and it was like this demon like face. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like I was like, push that away and it, and it went away, but it was, but I mean, my whole body was like tingling. I was like, fuck, that was like intense. So the possibility exists. I, I think so. And, you know, and that's just, that's just from my personal experience. Like I, I didn't feel like I was like possessed or anything, but right. it felt, it felt like something was there for sure. And I've had that experience like several times throughout my life. Like um, at one point I was, I was reading about like astral projection and I had fallen asleep. And I think this is, this experience is like when I was probably like 22, I was like working in a recording studio. Um, like it was a late night, it was probably like 2 a.m. The bands had all left. And, you know, I was like, I'm just exhausted. And I just laid down and I instantly went to sleep. And it felt like my body was like walking out the front door and this, this black, black, black shape, like just like hurtled at me. And like, boom, I mean, suddenly I was like awake. I was back in my body and my whole body's like, I'm like shaken, you know, I'm physically, you know, I'm like sh- emotionally shaken up. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, what the heck was that? It was like, I guess I'm not supposed to go out tonight, you know? Um, that's the way it felt to me. Wow. It was, it was like really strange. Yeah, it is weird. Strange situation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I got to get ready to wrap this up. Um, where can my listeners find you? Ah, yes. Um, you can find me at eroticallywired.com. And um, do you have any books out or anything? I don't have a book yet. I mean, I would really love to write a book about this. You know, mm-hmm. something, um, it's, it's on my, it's on my like life to do list. Of, like, <laughs> doing some kind of like, book. I would actually love to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. So um, what I'll do is I'll post a link to your website and notes of this episode. Sounds excellent. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. You too, Gary. I had a fantastic time. Me too. I love this. It's a great show. Thank you. (laughs) All right. uh, Have a great day. You too. You too. Have a great day. It's Saturday. It's a nice, it's probably a hundred degrees here in Southern uh, California. So I got, I got to go to work. <laughs> oh no. All right. Well, you take care. You have a great you time. You too, man. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. I'm trying to be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. 
I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com and Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.